This episode is sponsored by quality and innovative Game Bore cartridges. Game Bore shot shells are the choice of world champion David Radulovic and 26 times world champion George Digweed MBE. White Gold and Dark Storm contain precision-made diamond shot, manufactured exclusively in England, and coupled with high-performance smooth velocities, providing less felt recoil. If you're serious about your scores, you have to shoot with the best. When every clay counts, make sure you never compromise. Game Bore is the most decorated task and sporting clay shot shells in the sports history. Available now throughout the U.S., exclusively from KL Ammo. Find them online at www.gameboreus.com. Game Bore are simply the champion's choice. Welcome to the Dead Pair Podcast with your hosts, Jason Rambo and Sean Alley. We bring you all things sporting clays. Our focus is bringing new shooters to the sport and helping all shooters by giving you the most useful info from coaches, pro shooters, gun clubs, product and service specialists. The Dead Pair Podcast, what every shotgun shooter wants to hear. Paul? Hey everyone, welcome to the Dead Pair Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rambo, and with me, the man that's large and in charge and in master's class now. Congratulations, Mr. Alley. Thank you very much. That's a big accomplishment, man. Yeah, yeah, punched up at the last Cardinal shoot. Uh, That was a good accomplishment. I actually didn't think my score would hold, but that was some... Those are some tough targets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, Jake and Luke don't mess around at Cardinal. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, they put it all out there. I, I think Jake was gunning for regional-style targets at that one. <laughs> yeah, man. buddy. Good yeah, buddy. Grief. Never anything small over there, it doesn't seem like. No, no. Well, but thank it, you. It was, uh, it was definitely an accomplishment because I know that a lot of people struggled with those targets, and for you to turn a number like you did and especially punch out of double-A into Masters – it's a big accomplishment, man. Yeah, I'm feeling, I mean, initially I wasn't really quite sure how to feel about it. I mean, it's kind of like the, what we've all been chasing. And now I've come to the conclusion. It's like, well, <laughs> there's nothing else to earn as far as punches and stuff go. Now I just have to compete against the guys that are in master class. And that alone is going to be a big, big step up. Well, so when we interview all these pro shooters now, you better pay very close attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, well, they're 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 uh they're definitely good for a reason and hopefully I'll just keep uh grinding and learning and getting better. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's what we're all about, it's getting information out to people and you know, Sean, you you have a little bit of advantage here with this is is you can really dial in on what they're saying and pay attention and kind of use it to because you got to go beat these guys down, man. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, <laughs> I mean, you know, like I said, I, I've already got it in my mind that uh, for the local events and stuff, I, I hope to be competitive. I just know on the bigger events, I mean, it's going to be a challenge to, to, to even come close to that top 25 group. Those guys are, you know, nothing short of miraculous. Yeah, so. I mean, well, look what happened at U.S. Open. You know, Anthony and David turning 99s in a fee test. That is just insane to me. I cannot. Right. And, and David, well, like, not shooting for almost a year, I think, uh, wasn't it? Or Well, I mean, he's been shooting, but not he's, competitive. But not competitive. Right. You know what I mean? And so, to be able to just go out there without really grinding like everybody else and <laughs> turn a 99, I'm like, gee, many Christmas. Some, right. some guys just got it. Um, well, hey, on another note, you just got back from a trip. Uh, you visited yeah. our friends at Atlas. Tell us a little bit about I that. I did. I did. I flew out there to Kansas. Um, I spent three days there, and it was 
nothing like what I thought. Really? Um, what I mean by that is, you know, you, you think factory, you think like big assembly line type thing, you know, and not at all. First of all, the building's big and they're actually getting ready to double the size of it, which is mind boggling to me. They're just so busy. They need to the help. They need the room. And, and, uh, but anyway, while I was there, I was seriously, my brain was on tilt for three days. The amount of innovation that each person contributes to these machines, the amount of pride that each guy there, whether it's John in the back adjusting plates or Alex over in the electric department, trying to figure out a way to simplify the wiring and not be as complex and not have as many parts, you know, whether it's big Mike over hanging bearings on front, it doesn't matter. Everybody works together and you really want to see something, but you got to see Hopper over and shipping. My God, that guy is slammed. Um, <laughs> well, that's a good problem for him to have. I mean, if you're if you're doing so much business that you got to grow and double your facility, that's that's saying something. Oh yeah, but, but I'm serious though. I mean, these guys put, you know, Sean. There's something lost anymore about Made in America. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think maybe because it's used a little bit too much. But these guys take a lot of pride in everything that they do. They're specialists in each department. Yep. But they all still work together, and their pride... Listen, they test every single machine. Every single machine, whether it's up to their big 650 skeet set all the way down to, you know, the little Patriot or whatever, they test every single machine. And I don't mean they put one clay in and fire it. I mean, they load the carousel up, and they're watching for those targets that they fly consistent. Um, you know, they're not fluttering or anything. I mean, there's a million things they test them for. They're, they're making sure all the clays are dropping consistently and stuff. And it's just, it's amazing to me. Every single machine before it hits a customer's hands is completely tested by them. And when they box those things up, man, everybody at that place is so proud of what they just turned out. And That's it's awesome. It, you don't see that anymore. You yeah, don't. yeah. I mean, you know, there's definitely a, a thing about having pride in your work and uh, the teamwork aspect. So I'm glad that you went, and sounds like you had a great time. I'm sure you learned a whole bunch of stuff you oh, didn't know. man, it, it, incredible. And, you know, the amount of innov- innovation that each person contributes, they've got so many cool ideas, so many neat things that they're coming out with, but they can't implement them because they're so busy. Yeah. So that was part of the reason they're expanding the building, expanding the business, and going to hire more employees. And then that gives those guys time to, you know, keep developing, you know, new models, new, you name it. I mean, I, I'm not going to say too much. I told them I wouldn't, but it's um, it's really cool to see. And those guys, they all hang out with each other. It's like a big family, really. It is. That's cool. So, That's cool. and it's. It's definitely neat. I mean, I know I'm a little biased because, you know, I'm going to be sales and service with Atlas, and, and they sponsor our show. I understand. that. There's probably people rolling their eyes right now, but I'm telling you, if you go there and you see what I'm talking about, it's just, you'll be like, you know what? I want one of those traps. That's I mean, cool, man. I mean, that's that's really cool. And I know you've got several, and you like them all, and yes. you, you shoot with them all, and, uh, you know. Absolutely and love I've them. Shot, and I've shot on them, too. They're, they're great machines. They yes. are great machines. I absolutely love them. Well, hey, listen, moving on to the show tonight, and before I go too much further, all you guys at Atlas, a sincere, heartfelt thank you for welcoming me in. I'm sorry I interrupted your day and probably asked a bunch of dumb questions to you guys, but Thank you very much for spending the time with me. Moving on to the show. 
We have got a legend coming on tonight, Sean. Yeah, big name, big name. Mr. John Woolley. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested to hear what he has to say. Oh, man, talk about somebody that's been there and done that, right? So. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, in, in a big way. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, but Mr. Woolley's waiting on us to call. Uh, let's take a real quick commercial break and give him a buzz. Sounds good. American-made Atlas Traps are made right here in Kansas and feature the finest quality, innovation, and support in the business. Atlas traps are made using aircraft quality aluminum and stainless steel to ensure your traps will outlast the competition. So whether you're an individual needing a private trap for practice and recreation or a club needing to outfit your entire facility, family-owned and operated Atlas traps can suit all your needs. Visit atlastraps.com to see the full line of commercial and recreational traps and accessories. With prices that won't make you see red and quality that won't leave you feeling blue, Atlas has the finest equipment available. Rad Chad Roberts is available and ready to teach you to be your best. Chad is a two-time All-American, two-time California FITAS champion, and a 2019 California State champion. Chad stresses solid, fundamentally-based processes that will ultimately allow a shooter to analyze and self-correct themselves as they learn and grow. He gives you all the tools to be able to apply the correct concepts and allow you to break targets consistently and be confident in all shooting situations. Rad Chad can be reached at breakpointshootinginstruction at gmail.com or you can call or text him at 949-637-3001. All right, we have got Mr. John Woolley on the phone, uh, a man that has a list of long accomplishments. Uh, John, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing doing great, guys. Thank you. Uh, Jason's got a big smile on his face. Say, say hi, Jason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not very often we get a legend on here with us. So, Mr. Woolley, it's, it's our honor to have you on our show. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, it's been, uh, I actually listened to, uh, one of your podcasts today. It was really pretty good. Oh, thank you. Thank Pre- you very much. Appreciate that. Well, let's get started, John. I, I, I was reading up on you a little bit before, you know, we did this episode and I was trying to get some, some background information on you when you were younger. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you started off as more of a hunter, right? Before you transitioned to target shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was born in 53 and uh, by the time in the late uh, 50s, our early 60s, we still had no real meat um, in England to eat. So my job was to go and catch. Or um, By the time I was seven, I was actually shooting myself. But um, go and catch game, pheasants, rabbits, pigeons, and stuff like that. That was our protein. Gotcha. Wow. So when did you, I guess, get the bug, or when did you get bit to actually start shooting clay targets? When I was seven. (laughs) Shortly, shortly thereafter. (laughs) No, actually, actually, I shot my first clay target when I was 15. Okay. And uh, I was helping a guy, uh, a gamekeeper out, and uh, I'd worked myself up into that sort of role. And, um, you know, I used to help him and every. Uh, once a month on the Sunday mornings, they'd have a little 50-bird event that, you know, they had two hand machines and they'd move them around and change the angles. And it was just a group of about a dozen guys, you know, and I used to do it, do that with them. I wasn't very good in the beginning, I might tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us were when we first started. 
you had came, well, first of all, before you came to the United States, you had already accomplished quite a bit in sporting clays, correct? Yeah, yeah, I've I've been very blessed. Um, I uh, shot for GB 13 times, and uh, we won 12 golds and one silver. Wow. And uh, I was on the, uh, the first time I made the GB team was 1984. Um, the first time I made the England team was 1981. So that's longer than Sporting Glaze has been over here. Yes, right, <laughs> right. So that's – go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I shot um, on a regular basis uh, for the GB team all the way through to uh, 1991, actually. But I, by that time, I'd actually uh, moved over here um, in 1991, so – I couldn't shoot for GB anymore. So what made you want to make the jump across the pond and come to the United States? It wasn't intentional. Um, I was making a, and designing a lot of uh, courses for FITASC. I'm actually the, the number two course designer for FITASC. And uh, part of the deal is whenever they had a country that wasn't very experienced, they would send me to design a course for them in particular with the new system. And so the first time I actually got to come over was 1990 um, to a place called the Broadmoor, which is in Colorado. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the hotel there, and they had the national championships there. And uh, so I, I, they brought me over to design the national championships and the Pan American championships. Gotcha. There. So, I got a question here. So coming from Great Britain and then moving over here to the United States, obviously I'm sure there's some differences between, you know, shooting the courses, the targets. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like what, what do you see as some of the biggest differences between like English or European shooting versus uh, American shooting as, as it comes to sporting clays and, and feet task? Well, um, it's it's pretty simple, really. Um, you know, sporting clays and fitas is is supposed to simulate game shooting, mm -hmm. and so uh, you've got a lot of laws over here. You know, and lawyers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and no disrespect to anybody, <laughs> but um, you know, your tendency is to throw, or used to be actually used to be to throw targets going away, quartering away, you know, uphill, down dell, but um, Hill and Dale, <laughs> and uh, but uh, going going away from you. Whereas in Europe, uh, the targets are a lot more cross crossing targets and an awful lot of incoming targets, higher driven birds, you know, off towers and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And you still don't see that much uh, over here anymore. It, uh, still, you know, to this day, you really don't see. Uh, too much of the driven style targets, but in Europe you get them everywhere you go. Gotcha. I mean, what about shooting overall or or shooters? I should say, would you think that there's any major differences between the shooters here in the United States versus uh, England or Europe? No, not anymore. Um, you know, there's been a, a group of us over here. There's myself and Steve Middleditch, and uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of well, Mick Howes. Um, we've been over here for a while and and uh, teaching and shooting. And so there's an awful lot of people that have, have had lessons with us um, all the way up to the top top people, you know, in the country. And so you get 
uh, more of the blend that we we would have done in Europe uh, today. You know, Wendell Cherry, Dave, David Radulovich, who's Wendell's pupil, and people like that. They all shoot really with the English style. Okay. Well, that kind of leads me into my next question, John. You actually coached Wendell Cherry. Um, you've coached a lot of big names in this sport. Can you can you tell us a few of those or some of the ones that you're proud of? Uh, well, I'm proud of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, um, I can tell you one time I had uh, four of the five people on the main um, uh, sporting group. There's five, five shooters for Fitask. I had four of the five of them were my pupils. Um, I had one uh, of the juniors, um, one of the ladies, all three veterans and all three super veterans were all my pupils. Wow, that's impressive. Well, I mean, you know, our show is all about getting new shooters into the sport and getting people to consider shooting registered targets. Uh, If I can ask you, with your experience, what is some advice that you would give a new shooter today if they're getting into the sport, just learning how to shoot, or maybe even attempting to go to their first registered shoot? Um, You know, what kind of things would you tell them? What kind of things would you uh, impart to them to to maybe help them out on the transition? Well, what what I tell all my all my pupils is the same is basically the same thing i uh, i have a lot of people come to me and they want to practice and practice and practice until they get really good at their local targets and then they go to a competition and they don't do too good and so what i always suggest is that when somebody's coming there to uh that wants to compete and, and wants to get better I tell them, learn how to shoot while you learn how to compete. So you've got both things coming up at the same same time, you know, the same level, because there's no question about it. When you learn how to uh, compete and learn how to shoot, you can be really pretty good. Yeah. Um, but when you get the, you know, when you learn how to shoot, but then you haven't learned how to compete, you go into competition and you get your get knocked back if you like, and um, so you know you get disheartened. So you go back and practice a lot more, and uh, think, oh, now I've got it. I now I know what I'm doing, and then uh, you go back to a, another competition and you don't do too good again. And before you know where you are, you don't want to shoot competition. So and really, what it is is so many people really would do much better if they just started competing in the early stages and started having le- lessons or, or learning how to shoot at the same time, you know? Well, that's actually some very interesting advice because yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. And we kind of did that Jason to a degree. I mean, yeah. we, we, we had shot before and we were hunters like you were, and we grew up doing, you know, shooting game and chasing game and stuff. And then we were, you know, practicing in our backyards, we had little hand throwers and when we were younger and we would shoot in the, in the fields and stuff around us. Um, but yeah, once we finally got into register targets, we thought we were pretty good shots. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, you go out there and you see the, the caliber of targets that are thrown at some of the bigger clubs and stuff. And you realize, well, you got a lot more work to do. So yeah. that's, that's probably good advice to, to make sure that you're not just rating yourself on just you know club targets or the local club targets, and yet you're getting out there and stretching your legs and seeing what the what the world has to offer, so to speak. Yeah, I mean exactly. I mean you've got to be able to um, uh, that competition aspect of the game. 
I've got a guy I'm teaching right now, and he's he's pretty much unbeatable. And uh, I'm not going to mention people's names, but he's pretty much unbeatable. But in competition, he can shoot a 60, he can shoot uh, a, a 95. I mean, you just never know what's coming. And uh, but, um, but you know, they they've done a lot of effort in learning how to shoot, but they haven't done as, uh, enough in the competition to really learn how to compete properly. Okay. So that's a good question to ask because here's one that I always struggle with all the time or that a lot of us struggle with all the time. I mean, I've, I've told people before, you can practice all you want and become a good shooter, but until you get into a competition where, yes, you're worried about how to shoot and how to be a good shooter and how to be a good shot, but then there's the mental side of it too where you're actually competing, you put that extra pressure on yourself. Uh, the, the mental game is huge when you're competing. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's no question about that. But I don't think, it, and and I know you know some people wouldn't like me to say this, but I really do think you've got to learn for yourself in the beginning for sure, in in uh, how how your body reacts in competition situations, and how um, how mentally you react in competition situations, and then once you've done it enough. Uh, you'll get a pretty good idea of, of what you what you need, and then that's when the mental t- coaches and people like that come in, come and get involved. I want to back up for a second, Mr. Woolley. First of all, you reside in St. Augustine, Florida, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you have Woolley Shooting Clinics, and yeah. you are a big proponent. Well, before I get into that, even. First of all, you've got six rules that you teach in order to shoot well. Can you can you share those with us? Yeah, number one is you've got to keep your head still. The, the reason for that is um, by keeping your head still, you can keep a focus on the target easiest. And you can watch any of the top shooters and they, they don't move their head hardly at all, if, if at all. And in a lot of cases, you'll see that even if the gun doesn't come up in the right place in the shoulder, they don't panic and then try and get down on the gun. They still look at the target the same way that they've, you know, been been used to doing it. And so it's amazing how your brain works it out. But if you keep your head still, you can see the birds uh, so much clearer and easier. And then the gun can do its own thing. Number two is gun mount. And the gun mount, what that means is, and obviously I teach a lot of fit test, but the gun mount has to come up to your face uh, first. It hits your face, then your shoulder. And if you go around any club, uh, you'll see the majority of people, if not 90% of the people, local shooters, always hit the shoulder first and uh, and then push their head down. So... By doing that, you've broken the number three rule, which is focus. And focus is where you see the bird clearly, but without one and two, it's almost impossible to get three. Um, Number four, um, when the gun hits your shoulder, we always say never let the bird pass the gun. But um, that's misconstrued a little bit because uh, what we're actually talking about is when the gun hits your shoulder. I don't mind if the gun comes from behind a target and uh, in the gun mount, providing when it hits your shoulder, you're on the bird or in front of the bird. So 
let me add, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but so in other words, if they're going to use a swing through method on a target, it's okay right. if they if they come from behind, just as long as when they're fully mounted, they're already through the bird. Uh, on the bird or in front of the bird, okay. yeah. Okay, gotcha. And I can elaborate a bit more on that if you like. Basically, there's for a right-handed shooter, the predominant method is swing through, pull away on right-to-left targets. On left-to-right targets, the predominant method is pull away or maintain lead. But it's all to do. It all comes in the gun mount. So what I mean by that, if it's a left-to-right bird. The gun can come from behind the bird during the gun mount, but when you're mounting, you're mounting the, when the gun's fully in your shoulder, you're actually in front of the bird and the gun keeps drifting away with good focus. Okay. See, um, when you uh, see a bird clearly, when you mount in front of it, it's much easier to keep your concentration on the target. When you mount behind it, the gun comes through the bird and then your eyes naturally will go back to the nearest, fastest moving thing, which becomes a gun at that point. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Number five is stance. I mean, you've got to get your your setup right to be able to set, accept the gun. And I see so many people um, with, uh, they go out and buy a gun um, because it felt good in the store, but uh, the gun actually don't fit them uh, correctly in the shoulder when they're standing right. So they they get into awkward situations to try and get the gun in the shoulder the right way. So that's where stance comes in and gun fit, which gotcha. is the, the last but not least. And the reason why that is because you've got a chicken and egg situation. To get a perfect gun mount, you've got to have a perfect gun fit. To get a perfect gun fit, you've got to have a perfect gun mount. So which one comes first, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And now yeah. – you're a very big proponent of the move mount shoot method, but you kind of have your own version. Can you can you explain that a little bit to us? Um, well, I wouldn't call it my own version. I mean, uh, to be truthful with you, I mean uh, John Bidwell, who I, I'm sure you all heard about. Yes. Um, uh, John B- Bidwell and myself used to um, share a room when we were shooting for the British team. You know, you you had to share a room when you shot for Britain. And that's how we come up with the move mount shoot um, wording. But it's really the same system that Robert Churchill used, but obviously he was using it mainly for driven driven birds for game shooting. Okay. And so um, uh, just over the years, um, both John and myself developed it uh, to teach our pupils. That's why so many of our pupils have shot so well. Gotcha. Well, John, uh, going back to movement or the motion of the gun, I read somewhere recently that you were talking about you want to emphasize correct movement when you shoot. And I also recall you said something to the fact that a lot of people can hit easy targets with a wrong movement or a wrong motion, but you said that you focus on hitting easy targets with the right movement or motion. Can you elaborate a little bit on that for our listeners and kind of explain how the right motion or movement can contribute to more hit targets? Yeah, basically what happens is you're going back to the, the number five rule, which is a stance. If you're uh, standing right, if you're standing on your, and I'd make everybody a little foot mold to stand on um, with an arrow on it where they're going to break the target. So what should happen is 
your from your chest to the top of your head inside the shoulders doesn't move so the movement to shoot the bird comes from the lower half of the body okay or lower uh, two-thirds so the proper proper movement should be you wind up to uh, see the target and you unwind to kill the bird does that make sense okay yeah i can follow you there yep yeah and so what happens is you know when you come through the kill zone of the tar- of the the target wherever you're coming from behind or staying in front it doesn't really matter when you're coming through the kill zone you want your your shoulders um, and your head to stay nice and level, level and nice and calm um, with the target to be able to keep your eye on the bird. So your lower half of the body uh, moves and the gun just moves, just say it's a right to left target. Um, you just move in time with the target and just keep it moving. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So and the, the gun mount itself really is the same gun mount that you would do in a mirror. So when you stand there in front of a mirror, you just lift in the gun up uh, straight to your eye without your head moving. But when you use your lower half of the body to twist up, as you unwind to the kill point, the gun comes up to your face. All you're doing is bringing the gun straight up, but the lower half of the body is working in time with the target. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, now that I'm, I'm like playing it through my mind, and yes, it does make sense. <laughs> so here's one for you, Mr. Woolley. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this at you. Um, I've asked a few people this here on the show. I was working on a big um, – I'm a right-handed shooter. I was working on a big Shindell, uh right to left, and I was shooting it pre-mounted and pretty successfully. Um, but then I thought, well, you know, I'm getting ready to shoot some fee task over here at Dan Bailey's place at Eagle's Nest, so I'm going to work on my you know, my fee task mount. And I went to shooting that target again. Now, when I, my my go to method is a pull away, and I'm pre mounted. I noticed yeah. when I went to the fee task mount, I was mounting to the lead of that target again. I was still breaking the target successfully, religiously every time, but. It's like, why did my method change? I don't understand. You know, I, I'm always kind of a a touch-and-go, pull-away type shooter. And when I went to that feet task mount, I just automatically mounted to the lead every time. What What's yeah, your take on that? Well, with the gun in your shoulder, and this is why I actually teach all my pupils in the beginning, gun down. And because you learn how to see a target uh, correctly. Uh, with the pure focus of number three rule. And so what hands, ends up happening, you've got the gun up in your shoulder, and so the gun is always in view. That's probably why you do a pull away on it, you know, where you just pull away, mm-hmm. because the gun is is never out, of completely out of view. And so when you went down to the gun down, now the gun's out, out of view, and so now you can look at a target like most of the top shooters have done in the in this country, um, in the world for that matter, um, they they all learn gun down originally, and now they've le- in, in most cases they go to a higher gun because they've learned how to see a target correctly without the gun. So where your gun ended up was just it's just like catching a ball. You know when you see when you see a target, you reach out in front of it and, and catch it when you. When you catch a ball, you reach out in front of the ball and catch it. You never see your your hand to do it. You only right. see the ball. 
okay? Gotcha. And so when the gun down, you was able to see the clay clearly, and so automatically your brain went into catch catch mode, and so it just reacted to what you see, and the gun went to the right place. Okay. Wow. Well, Very cool. Makes sense. Good explanation. Thank you. <clears throat> well, well um, you're welcome. John, here's another one. We ask this of a lot of top shooters, and just it, always interesting to hear the different responses from everybody. If you can kind of think back when you, you know, were shooting and getting into competition shooting, was there one thing or um, something that clicked at one point uh, in your shooting career that seemed to make a big difference or, or a big improvement in your shooting? Yeah, actually there was, and it was a person, um, you know, I couldn't, I'm an analyst by nature. So I analyze uh, people, animal things. And um, basically what I used to do, I, uh, by the time I was 17, I, st- I was able to drive. In England, you can drive at 17. And by the time I was 17, I would go to a local little club and watch this one guy that I, had, I, I knew because he had a little gun, uh, gun store. And so I'd, I'd sit in these gun store every now and again and, and buy a couple of boxes of shells and uh, cartridges and then I would uh, go and watch him shoot and once I understood what he was doing and he don't get me wrong he won a fantastic shot I mean he made a in those days we had to shoot skeet gun down like English skeet American skeet mm-hmm. gun, gun down and uh, it, it was below the, the shoulder and uh, um, we we would actually uh, shoot that, and I'd watch him shoot. He'd, he'd shoot 94, 95, 96 sometimes, not 100 straight, um, and uh, he'd make every shot look effortless. And so I started watching him. Uh, the guy's name was Jeff Herndon. Um, I haven't heard from him or been around him for years and years and years. He was quite a bit older than me, so hopefully he's still around. Um, but Jeff made shots look easy. And so I used to just watch him. And once I, it took me about six months watching him at the various events before I realized what he was doing. And then literally in no time at all, once I started doing what he was doing, which was move Mount Shoe, um, I started doing that. And I went from nowhere to winning everything locally in my area, wow. which was by this time I was about 18. And so I actually started, you know, uh, doing it straight away. And it was so easy. I mean, you know, I'd go to an event and, you know, you'd, you would uh, uh, be up against other good shooters as well. But, you know, I'd win a very good per- percentage of them. And uh, so then I start, you know, how, how you do, you want to see how good you are. So you start traveling around and, and going out and, and testing yourself against the, the bigger guys, you know, the guys that are doing it uh, up the top of the game. And so I started watching those, and I realised that the only thing they were doing different than me at that point was doing it better. You know, the gunman was better. They kept their heads stiller. Um, they attacked the targets um, uh, differently than I, I – more competitively than I did, you know, more aggressively. And so – um, I used to just pick one of the, the, the top guys that were shooting at the time and um, and really 
uh, just tried to emulate what they was doing. And, and before you knew where uh, where I was, I was competing huh. with them. I took about a six-year layoff in there. So I really um, – I, I was a gamekeeper in England. And so for six years, and during that time, I only shot very limited amount of, of, of uh, targets. So I was, I was actually 25 when I started to compete again, which was 1978. Gotcha. And you were able to ascertain all that just by watching them, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say, I'm an analyst, um, which I think's really helped me with my coaching over the years. Um, before I came here, I was pretty successful coaching in, in uh, the UK. In fact, I did tours of Germany and uh, France and uh, Belgium and places like that, um, Switzerland, you know, and uh, teaching various people all over the place. That's great. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a fantastic answer. So thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, no problem. Mr. Woolley, you've <laughs> between your gold medals. Oh, let me put it to you this way. I could only dream of accomplishing one of your accomplishments. <laughs> you have <laughs> dozens and dozens, but I noticed something I read in an article. You don't go out and shoot three, 400 rounds leading up to a competition. You, you only like to go out and practice with 50 birds and yeah, I'd- and it, I do. I'm telling you, around here locally, people would think that you're some kind of unicorn for that because they think that they just got to just pound it, you know. Um, can you explain how you you base your practice and, and what you, you know, why you chose to only shoot 50 targets prior to an event? Well, um, you know, I, I, I know what the technique is. Um, and so I'm, you know, I know how to do it. So what I try and do is make 50 good shots, you know, and I might pick uh, one or two or three t- uh, targets and if I'm shooting them really good and then I'll go and extend myself a little bit more, extend myself a little bit more and just try and get 50 uh, really good shots in. I might shoot more uh, with friends having fun and stuff like that, but right. uh, my, when I'm working on my own game, most I ever shoot is 50. Wow. That's incredible. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, try, I was going to say, I'll try and make 50 good shots. Like, you know, when a basketball player uh, starts uh, putting in a few layups, you know, he's trying to get the feel of where he is. Well, that's what I try and do. I try and get a few layups, a few easy birds to start with, and then just uh, go a little bit harder, a little bit harder until I can, I feel comfortable with what I'm doing. But I might do that every day for four or five days, you know, and, and sometimes two or three weeks before a major, in a major event. Okay. So are you still competing regularly or is it just kind of a once in a, once in a while type of thing? <laughs> no, it's once in a while these days. I've only shot three times this year. Okay. All right. And what's, um, what's your favorite discipline out of like all the different shooting? Um, I like fit desk. Okay. Uh, fit yeah. sporting, it's, it's, it's my game. Um, you know, we, I used to travel all over Europe with John Bidwell. Uh, we went over the place, all over the place in East Camper and, uh, go to various countries, you know, Belgium, France, you, you'd get a ferry and drive to somewhere, but it's always fit when you go to those events. And so that's what we used to do. And, and, uh, and it really does suit the move mount shoot system perfectly 
Now, John, you're you're friends with George Digweed. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, George's a good friend of mine. So do you guys kind of feed off of each other? I mean, as far as, you know, coaching or, you know, techniques and all that kind of stuff. I mean, is that something that you guys share? Or do you guys, nah, we've kind of been there, done mm. that. Let's talk about <laughs> something different. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we um, – I know George real well. And, uh, you know, when he was younger, I used to drive him in Europe, um, had to have driven him in Europe in his car. He had a faster car than I did. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I was older, so we, we got to do it. Now, George is, is one of these people that, um, he is, he's got to be the best at everything he does. Don't matter whether it's cricket or, or shooting. And, uh, in the early days when I said I used to win every, you know, pretty much everything in my area it used to be uh i would win and george would be third and then it became uh george digweed second after i'd win and then it'd be john Woolley and george digweed in the shoot off and then after that he took off <laughs> <laughs> but gotcha. he's he's a tremendous guy i've got a lot a lot of uh um, good memories about george from all over the place and, and john be well too so now you have the shooting clinic. You also have a gun store, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, I started doing. I've, I've always sold guns um, uh, to you know whatever gun sponsor I was with, but um, I'm sponsored by Caesar Greeny right now, and have been for a lot of years. They're a, they're a fantastic company. And uh, we're one of their largest dealers in the country, and we are the largest for, for Blaza. And, uh, you know, we do the yieldies, and uh, we started doing breaders. Zoli, we're a big um, dealer for Zoli too. But one of the things that why I started opening up the, or got involved in the gun selling business as, as in the store situation was uh, so many people would come to us with a gun that was, badly fitting and they said you know it, it don't matter who it was but whatever the, the the gun sounds like you've got some ice going on in you yep a little bit <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, can, I can hear the glasses going in back sorry we were just taking a moment to refill <laughs> i can't take him anywhere john i just can't yeah sorry <laughs> I hope they have the big round uh, cylinder balls or whatever they call them. Oh, no. <laughs> no, just the, the standard uh, ice out of a bag type yeah, of situation. We're the, we're the cheap guys. So. <laughs> um, where was we? I've, I've lost where we was now. The gun store. <laughs> the gun store. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. This is why we have that edit button, John, because for a moment. Oh, like my this. goodness. I can't believe I mean, all the podcasts we've ever done. Nobody's ever called you out like that. John, you're my favorite now. You just <laughs> called him out. Oh, man. That's funny. Oh. RE Ranger, you can't hit what you can't see. With 14 clay sight lenses manufactured by Carl Zeiss Vision, Ranger lenses add target clarity and contrast no matter the lighting condition. Visit reranger.com for all your shooting eyewear needs, free shipping and returns in the U.S. on orders of $90 or more, and if you use the code DEADPAIR at checkout, you will save 10% off your order. See it further. See it faster. See it with precision with RE Ranger. 
yeah, what used to happen was um, I'd have a lot of people come and uh, just say uh, they were shooting a Caesar Greeny, but, you know, it was somebody who was five feet four, you know, and they're trying to shoot a Caesar Greeny at, um, you know, a 14 to three quarters, 14 to seven eighths, um, or a Zoli or something like that. So, and it really just grew. I didn't really intend it to be where it is today, but um, I just did it really to to help my clients out, you know, to be able to fit them into the right gun. But now we've got people flying in from all over the country and saying, you know, will, will you uh, uh, fit me? You know, they booked their appointment and they come in. And so we end up fitting them into what gun I think they will shoot best and and it's been very successful well that's i mean that's kind of a a natural evolution for your your clinic is to be able to provide them you know they can pick out what gun they want to shoot and then you can help them get them fit to it so that's that's really cool that you have that you know it's kind of like a one-stop shop if you will yeah 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 we are definitely that and we do you know hearing hearing and uh glasses we're a big peeler dealer and and uh, stuff like that too so we we do a bit of everything um that's where nick um nick mcglory he he actually uh runs a lot of the the gun sales part of the business and you'll meet him when up there at hillendale yes. at the ohio state and then i've got my daughter and um who works with me uh, right now she's uh graduate from accounts in accountancy and so she's working running the the, the accounts business with uh, Gretchen who's next mum that's that's she's my wife but we've been we've been together 13 years so I call her my wife <laughs> <Close> <laughs> but enough. we have a we have a we have a good time and and uh so we're we're just a little mum and pop family business really but there's a, there's a little bit more than that today I guess Sometimes that's the best service though, you know? Um, oh yeah. And so speaking of good time, that kind of was going leading from my next question. So this is a two part question. Again, you've accomplished so much. What is one accomplishment that you're most proud of? And then the second part of that is what's the most fun you've ever had at a sporting event. Doesn't have to necessarily be a win. Okay. I don't know if I can talk about those. <laughs> um, no, I mean, are you, we talking about shooting event? Yes, or, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I mean, obviously, um, I mean, I've, I've designed a lot of courses and it gives me a lot of pleasure to have people, you know, in, really enjoy um, a good course set up that's very well balanced. Uh, which is a bit of a problem with some of the events today. They're not balancing the targets on some of these major shoots, you know, quite the right way, in my opinion. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with hard targets. I like, I like to shoot hard target um, uh, as much as the next guy, but you've got to have a balance to, for everybody, you know. Right. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to think probably – um, the first time I shot for England, uh, which was back in 1981, um, we had a lot of fun at that that event. And first time you shoot for your country, you know, you, you, there's something special about that. 
Yeah. yeah we can only imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, when I won the Broader World in 1990, I mean, um, George Digby was favourite. I think he'd shot, you know, only missed a couple of targets in, uh, at the 120. That would probably be the one that was was really good. I'd just come off the European Championships when I was fourth. And um, and John Bidwell beat me, and then we come over there to uh, back to England the very next week. It's a bread of world, and I wasn't actually gonna go. And uh, but a friend of mine who shot a breader talked me into going, and I borrowed a, a friend of mine's gun that was actually set up the same as mine. I was a brand new shooter at the time, and um, was set up the same as mine, but it was a breader. And uh, you know when they they sit you on top of that podium and they play the anthem, all that sort of thing. I mean, it's, that's something special regardless. I don't care who you are and where you are, but when they play that national anthem for you, it's, it's special. Yeah, that has to be amazing. Yeah. I can, Like Sean said, we can only imagine. I mean, that's, that's very cool. If I can add one other thing, though, yeah. I mean, there's the, one of the things I've always enjoyed is the team aspect. And what we had in Britain in the 80s, where I shot for, uh, as I say, GB from 1984 to, 2000, uh, to uh, 91. In, when you shot for GB, there was a team game. Everybody got on and you went to the various events all over Europe or wherever they was, you know. And uh, there was a great atmosphere between the guys. Everybody was pulling, pulling for each other. And I came over here and became a citizen in 2010. And, uh, you know, I really had, I've taken quite a few years off of shooting. So, um, because I have twin girls and uh, over here. And um, so I, I ended up not shooting very much for, for quite a few many years. And then um, when I started to shoot again, um, I really wanted to see how good I could be. And so I decided to try and make the the U.S. team uh, because I have to become a citizen. So I I went and did the first event um, in 2010, which was Italy. And uh, I won the, the silver medal at the World Fitness Championships. Uh, mm-hmm. But now I, met, I won it for the U.S., not for GB. And so um, – and then I won a, a silver – and uh, uh, no, it was a bronze, I think, that World English the following year in 2011. And then 2012, we won both the English and the, and the FITASC. Um, and those team events and those teams that I got involved with from 2012 until a couple of years ago, I mean, it was fantastic. Um, the atmosphere and the group uh, getting together um, was absolutely awesome. And uh, you make friendships that last forever, you know. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Well, uh, Jason, you got anything else to add? Or, well, aren't you going to ask the rapid fire questions? Yeah, well, that's what I'm getting to. I'm seeing if I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing if I've got the green light. Um, John, you said you listened to our show. Did you happen to catch the? We we typically ask what we call uh, rapid fire questions to our shooting guests, and uh, basically it's just like the gear that you use and chokes and stuff like that would you be uh all right if we asked you those yeah um, but you did ask me something earlier that i would like to add in there if i can oh absolutely yeah 
you had, you asked me about um, things that you remember about the sport uh-huh. and uh, uh, that sort of thing. You asked me about competition, but you asked me other things too. Um, the one event that I, is more special to me than actually any of the medals I've won is getting voted into the Hall of Fame in 2015 over here. With me coming from England, um, and we don't really have that sort of thing in England, to come over here and then uh, getting a unanimous vote, I believe, uh, to go into the the US Hall of Fame, even though I was a citizen in 2010, uh, that is a very, very special moment to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be. Well, we're we're a big melting pot here, so you know everybody's included. <laughs> that's you know what that that is awesome, and congratulations on that. By the way, that's that's very very big accomplishment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I've been blessed, very blessed, definitely. Okay, so I'm going to dive into the rapid fire questions and uh, just just answer the best you can here. We're going to go through them start to top or start at the top here. What gun do you shoot? Uh, Caesar Greeny Invictus three. Okay, and what's M your... spec? M spec. M spec. Okay, and then what's your barrel length? Thirty two. Okay, ported or non ported? Uh, non ported. Okay, and then what chokes do you run? A factory or? The brand? No, that. Uh, no, they are. Uh, it, the M spec is a fixed choke gun. Oh, and, okay, uh, okay, my bad. And I, I, I prefer fixed chokes because they give you a, in my opinion, a much better pattern. Okay. And uh, so I and I shoot mod mod. Okay. I don't want I don't want anything uh, uh, bothering me when I'm thinking about when I'm shooting. So if I've got a fixed choke gun, I can't change chokes. I use the same shell, seven and a half for everything I shoot, one ounce. So um, I don't have to even think about whether the shot's going to get there or whether I've got too tight a choke. That's all I've got. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. What brand of shells do you shoot? I shoot the Experiencer, which is uh, one of the Bonagi-style uh, companies that Carl Emelson brings in, and we, we bring them in by the container now. Okay. And um, that's that's a really, really good, nice shell. And I shoot 1,182 feet per second. I like the slower shells, not the faster ones, which is not what most people want. Well, you're the you're the first pro shooter we've had on here that shoots that brand of shell and that slow of a shell, so that's very <laughs> interesting. No, I, I think it's very interesting because most people are shooting thirteen hundreds and you know ounce, some ounce other and an eighth, yeah, yeah, some other kind of brand. So that's very interesting. Okay, uh, how about uh, shooting glasses? What do you what do you use for shooting glasses? Um, I shoot Peeler, and uh, um, I had a eye issue. And so I was shooting uh, RE Ranger for a while. Um, but I actually had a torn retina at the beginning of the year. And Ooh. that's one of the reasons I haven't shot uh, quite so much this year. I've just shot three events this year. Gotcha. Yeah, I bet you that does make a difference. Uh, how about ear protection? Anything special there? Yeah, I'll shoot. I uh, use the sound gear, um, which is the, the uh, electronic, digital electronic. Okay. And are you a vest guy or a shell bag guy? No, vest. Vest only. And any particular brand or um I I use the Caesar Greeny vest and uh or the Castellani vests. Gotcha. Okay, well that's pretty much it there. I think we hit it all the all the nails on the head there, so to speak. Yeah. John, <laughs> do us do us all a favor. Let let people know where they can find you and 
Um, do you have a website, uh, phone number? How can people get a hold of you if, if they want to come take a lesson? Uh, to to my uh, uh, to me um, is uh, our gun store is in at Saltwater's Gun Club in St Augustine, Florida, okay. and uh, me. Uh, if you they want to get a hold of me for lessons, then it's uh, my telephone number is nine zero four five two one. Eight three one five. Any uh, sponsors you want to thank or put a shout out to? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Caesar Greeny and Experienza and Sound Gear actually, uh, they've all sponsored me. They're they're my main uh, uh, sponsors. Uh, Peeler also. But uh, I, I will say that we are opening a store in San Antonio at the National Complex. Oh, nice. Yeah, we've got uh, Mo Parsons um, is going to be running it for me. Uh, we're just going through all the paperwork and getting everything set up, but we should be open okay before the Nationals. Okay, well, maybe me and Jason can go down there and look you up when we're down there. Yeah, please do, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now you Sorry, said... I ain't going to... Go ahead. Yeah, go on. I said, sorry, I'm not going to be at Hillendale. I miss, <laughs> miss going to that club. Well, that's what I was just getting ready to say. You made mention that... Um, your mobile store would be up at Hillendale for the Ohio State shoot. And I'm going to take it since you're not coming, Nick's going to be there. Nick's going to be there for sure, yeah. Well, see that? We get to go have a bourbon with Nick, and you can be jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You have to be careful trying to keep up with it, drinking with him, though. (laughs) Sean's Sean's a pretty big boy. He can handle his own. So I've been known to put a few back. So I might be passed out in the chair, but I'll do my best. So. No, Nick, Nick, Nick likes the fine, the fine uh, bourbons and the fine cigars. So he's into all that sort of stuff. Good deal. Excellent. But he's he he does a really good job on the road with the uh, uh, with the trailer and uh, setting people up. He's I've taught him how to set you know set a gun up or what to look for with people. He's very good. He's got a good following of his own these days. That's very cool. Mr. Woolley, mm-hmm. I, I cannot tell you what an honor it's been to have you on the show. Yeah, it's um, been an absolute pleasure. Yes, th- thank you very much for spending some time with us. And uh, Sean and I will definitely be catching up with you at Nationals. <laughs> well, we look forward to it. But any time, guys, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir, very much. Thanks, John. Have You're a great welcome. evening. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Well, Sean, what do you think? Legend John Woolley. <laughs> The guy has been around. He's been there, done that. You know <laughs> I what I mean? He knows what he's talking about. A little right? bit. A little bit. Uh, no, that was that was awesome to catch up with him. And uh, we talked to him here for a minute after we got off the phone. And he's going to come back, talk to us a little bit more here in the near future. Uh, so y'all stay tuned for that. Um, Sean, what have we got coming up, bud? Where do I start? I know, at the beginning, <laughs> at right? The beginning, at the that's beginning. A, that's a good place to start. So uh, this weekend is the uh, the big championship ship shoot at uh eagle's nest dan's yep. dan's place yep. shortly thereafter is going to be the big sctp shoot which actually started today yes uh and will run into next week and i think it ends the following sunday well, now you gotta remember we're we're a week behind from release so well, that's true so yeah. yeah take this all with a grain of salt folks we're we're living in the now but you're hearing us in the later <laughs> what did, oh, I, did i did i not explain that correctly Y'all, please forgive my co-host. Um, this is his first time in 36 episodes of doing a podcast. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you'd think I'd learn these things. Right. Uh, 
and then from there, my goodness, um, we're taking a little bit of a break there at the end of the month, but uh, then we get right back in it. We've got, well, let's say big things. We've got uh, Michigan going to Ball Mountain in September, going to the Nationals in October. Ohio State uh, shoot. Ohio State, yeah, sorry, August. Ohio State shoots coming up in uh, August. Yep. I mean, we got a lot to do yet. A lot yeah. to do this year. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, very, very big thank you to our sponsors, uh, Game Boar the most decorated and winningest shot shell in sports history. Yep. Negrini, we case your memories. RE Ranger, see it further, see it faster, see it with precision with RE Ranger. Yep, and Atlas Traps built right here in the USA. Absolutely, and Bear Pelt, it's not just your vest, it's your new uniform. Thank you very much to Bear Pelt. And, by the way, this is something I can let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Uh, Mr. Roden's going to be joining us in studio. Um, him and his wife, Heather, are going to be in town for the SVTP Nationals, and they're going to come sit in studio with us. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. So you need to be on your best behavior, Mr. Alley. No promises. Sorry. <laughs> no promises. Even Christmas. Eric, we're sorry in advance, buddy. So, but no, um, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you to our sponsors. And we're going to see you right here next week on the Dead Pair Podcast.